My experience in Italy has been that these people are the most open-hearted, light-footed, toe-tapping, uh, joyous people on the planet. And so for me, that's the energy of Italy. I am Susie Menkes, and you are listening to my podcast, Creative Conversations. As a journalist reporting on the global fashion industry, I want to take you backstage and give you an insight into my world. Listen to my exclusive conversations with creatives, industry leaders, and those whose voices have some of the greatest impact. I think you might find it interesting and maybe intriguing. In this episode, I shall be talking to JJ Martin about her brand, La Double J. As an American in Milan, JJ started her brand with a line of dresses in a vintage pattern. It's now grown into a full fashion house with homeware and now a book. But it is the sisterhood which has captured JJ's heart. Let's hear how JJ Martin does it, as I can hardly keep up with her. I'm so happy to see you. I'm ha always happy to see you. It's rather intriguing to me the way that you have become Milan's adopted darling. You're loved by everybody. And with your Milanese lifestyle brand, La Double J, we can safely I... say you are a maximalist and definitely not a minimalist. Would you agree? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I've never been a minimalist. Did I tell you I used to work at Calvin Klein in the 90s? Even there in the marketing department, I was wearing crazy car crash vintage clothing while everyone else was in their black and white suits. So it's been a lifelong affair with all things embellished and decorated and colorful. Don't forget, I'm one of the rare people who could um, say whether that's true or not, because it seems like a very long time ago when I spotted you and asked you to write for the IHT, the International Herald Tribune, now known as the New York Times. And it was way back then that you were a trained journalist and kind of turned up. And I thought, this is wonderful. Well, Susie, I mean, you know, you were so gracious in your introduction telling me that everyone loves me in Milan. Let's be clear. When I moved to Italy 22 years ago, nobody knew me. Nobody loved me. I couldn't get dinner on the table. I didn't know how to find a plumber. I couldn't find a hairdryer. I, I was a mess. And you were absolutely one of these early way showers for me, not to mention a fairy godmother. And you figure prominently into my story, my turnaround story in Italy. Because when we met, I was scraping, you know, I had moved to Milan about a year and a half earlier trying to find a marketing job, which was what I had done at Calvin. Marketing didn't exist in fashion companies in 2001 in Milan. And I met Godfredini and became a reporter out of the blue for him at Fashion Wire Daily. Now, remember, at that time, no Italian fashion company even had a website. I mean, maybe Gucci had a website, but literally no one was on it. No, one, There was no content there. There was no digital interest whatsoever. And so I started at this, like, puny 
place in the Italian's mind. I was always like barely invited to the fashion shows in the 65th row behind someone's grandmother. And you were the only one reading my copy. So I feel like that was such a an incredible stroke of luck. Also really taught me that no matter what you think is going on in the fashion system, whether or not people are watching you, whether or not you're getting recognition, you should always do your best. You should always put your all into it because this stuff comes around and you were great in that way. You really, you took me from like rock bottom to like the best pages at the Herald Tribune that, that existed. So I'm grateful to you. And look where you are now in this country that you've adopted and that has now adopted you. That's the great thing. You took over the historic 200 year old Porta Nuova, the new gate in the middle of Milan and adorned the arches with stripy circus curtains. And there in the middle, you had a funfair carousel filled with models showcasing your spring-summer 2024 range. Your models were 28 real women who answered your call. So ambitious. Tell us all about getting those women together. Well, you know, the way that I have been approaching this entire company, Susie, has not, as you know, because you've seen the progression, it hasn't been according to the, the regular fashion norms. We're not we're not operating as a, uh, a traditional fashion company that's on the Milan fashion calendar. Uh, we've always been doing things a little bit differently and never on the runway, always kind of joyful gatherings of our family, our friends, our supporters. And this um, community of women that I've been really focusing on building up around the company, whether it's been events that we do, spiritual events, um, trainings, workshops, etc., has really developed a stronghold. And I like to call this group of women the sisterhood. They're not just coming to us for a pretty dress, although some of them are. Many of them want something more. They want to be part of what we're doing. They want to learn about consciousness, spirituality, etc. And so we thought, why don't we just open the models to these real women? I mean, these are great. This, I'm doing clothes that actually are for real women. I'm not really doing clothes that are for the models and for the posing and for the runway. So it just felt like a very natural segue. And so we sent out this message, you know, on social media saying, hey, open casting. And you wouldn't believe how many people responded. I think we had like over 300 responses. And women actually flew in from as far away as Mexico, Canada, the Philippines, Switzerland, and France just to be part of this. They flew themselves. <laughs> and it was like a non-paid event. It was just, hey, be part of what we're doing here. And I think that that is, I don't know, it really, um, it made me feel so good. And like what we're doing just, I don't know, reverberates, has a, has a purpose. Isn't it partly because you have really engaged yourself with Italy? And I can't think of anything more um, in that than the fact that everything in Italy, after all, happens around mealtimes. And you have channeled that by making all those items for the table to eat and drink totally. with. You can't get more Italian than that. Well, you know, it's so funny because as you know, I have this book coming out that really talks about this 22 year arc. At the beginning, I couldn't get dinner on the table. At the beginning, the Italians drove me crazy. I was fighting against everything. I was in total refusal of the new customs, the new traditions, the new rhythms, the new organization, which was lack of organization. I was just overwhelmed with chaos and I was really resisting. But the moment that I kind of just stepped back and stepped out 
of my ego and started looking at the Italians for everything that they were doing right, which by the way, the list is very long. It's just that when you're in a state of criticism or judgment with anything in your life, you never see what's going on that's right. And this I noticed really happened to me for my first, like I would say even five years I was living in Italy. I was a total grumpy pants. But um, the minute I kind of surrendered to it, all of the beauty and the wisdom of the Italians came to me. And like you said, something like even the mother, the family, the dinner table, these things that just felt so trite and kind of silly and, and not engaging, I found so much pleasure from them. And as this was happening personally to me and I was having these revelations, then what I did with the product that I was creating at Double J was sort of associate it to those kind of more internal changes that were happening to me. And certainly sitting around the dinner table for hours with millions of people and having beauty everywhere is a big part of that. Well, let me put that in a, <laughs> a different phrase. You have really managed to bottle Italy. <laughs> Not suggesting that you drink all the time, far from that. But when I look at your brand, it looks, I'm going to try and say the words now, molto italiano, is that right? Amore, molto italiano, sì. <laughs> And it's more than just the clothes and the homeware. It's the spirit of Milan where you live. But you seem to show yeah. the world more the colourful and joyful side of Milan and less the um, hardworking, serious, solemn side. Well, you know, that's so interesting you say that. I mean, it's true that Milanese fashion can be quite... You know, I'm just thinking Armani. I'm just thinking even Prada. You know, there's like a, a rigour there where there is such excellence and such ties with the quality and it's almost like an obsession, right? But my experience in Italy has been that these people are the most open-hearted, light-footed, toe-tapping, uh, joyous people on the planet. And so for me, that's the energy of Italy. You know, I always, I make these comparisons because I don't think I ever told you, but I lived in Paris when I was a university student um, for about nine months. And so I had the experience of comparing living with the Parisians and living with the, the Milanese. Both of them are obsessed with quality. Both of them are obsessed with beauty. Both of them are very interested in the proper way to do things. But the real difference is that the French hold on so tightly, my experience was, that they couldn't relax and really enjoy and let themselves go, where the Italians were just bathing in it and so joyful. And they were experts at relaxing and experts at taking vacations and naps and laughing and forgiving. And everything just was wrapped up in this bubble of tolerance that really appealed to me. And I think that that's, that that's what our, our fashion company is kind of channeling. Well, I want to get on to Mama Milano. It's the real essential part of our podcast of our conversation. It's a celebration. It's a book, creating your brand and becoming your own woman, the Italian way. And it's coming out, I think, in um, the end of the month on October the 17th. Very exciting moment for you. Why did you feel that this was the moment to do a book? 
Well, first of all, here it is. We've got actually three different covers, um, all of which have a different uh, pattern. And this book is filled with images, okay? So it looks on the surface like a coffee table book, but Susie, I wrote 70,000 words for this thing. So it's actually a memoir of my 22 years in Italy. And the reason I wanted to do this, you know, a couple publishers came to me and said, hey, can you just like uh, give us a book on how to live like an Italian and, you know, do the tables, do the fashion, do the joy, all this stuff. And I said, yes, I'll do that. But I actually want to tell the tale of what it was truly like for an uptight type A American to drop down into Italy 22 years ago without a smartphone, without any friends, without any skills, without any family members, and how I had to literally rewire my brain, rewire my heart, and become a totally different kind of person in order to receive all the beauty, all the gifts of this great country. So it's not like you can just, I feel like, turn a page and like start living like an Italian, you know, just by copying the way they dress or the way that they are laying their table. This is an inside job. You need to start rewiring your brain. You need to start thinking and feeling like an Italian. And that process, I really break down in the book about how frustrated I was and how a lot of my, my absolute irritation anger in many in many moments was what fueled me to go deeper discover more and and as i said release it all so release all of this preconceived patterning and ideas about how the world needs to work how uh, a waiter needs to act how relationships need to go and just really start opening my eyes to something new so i wanted to tell kind of a, a different story and this country taught me so much and I think really prepped me for all the spiritual work that I was doing. That's why I call the book Mama Milano because Italy really has this very strong divine mother, sacred feminine energetic that is very different from America. Well, you know, I'm looking here at page 25 of your book and this is what it says. In Italy, you have family and personal relationships which rule absolutely everything. So you may be of American origin, but you would say that you have embraced the family spirit of Italy. Is that correct? A hundred percent. I mean, there is such a difference between the way families operate in America versus Italy. I mean, first of all, my parents kicked me out of the house at 18. Most Italians never want their kids to leave. So that's a big difference. Um, But one of my favorite things ever is when I first moved to Italy and I would land, you know, I'd be flying maybe from between Sicily and Milan or Rome and Milan. I mean, it's an hour flight, right? Every time the plan lands, 65 cell phones snap open and you hear, ciao, mama, sono arrivata. It is so hilarious. And at the beginning, you know, I was kind of tortured by this thing. You know, I was, I was married to an Italian. I was this, this idea of the Italian mother-in-law. I mean, she was kind of ticking all the boxes of the cliche. She was kind of driving me nuts. And again, when I finally surrendered and I finally said, I'm going to stop judging this and let me just see what it is that these people have to give me. I was blown away. There is so much love. There is so much acceptance. 
there's tolerance. I mean, the Italians let their kids roam. Have you ever seen like an Italian kid at a hotel or a restaurant? They're like doing whatever they want. They're, they're, they're making a lot of noise and their parents think they're adorable. I mean, it's like, and, but the other thing that I, I noticed is that I don't see so much of the kind of depression and anxiety. And I'm making a generalization here, but I know very few Italians that are in therapy talking about like, you know, what their what their parents didn't give them. Like the Italians give so much. And I think it's it's a really, really beautiful thing. talk a bit about your brand and how that has grown up. You um, launched in 2015 when with your fashion director Viviana Volpicella, you both decided to produce a small line of super swing dresses in different patterns. And um, the vintage patterned fabrics came from the Mantero archive, the wonderful collection of fabrics. And um, it's a fourth generation family running an Italian business. And Italy has the most wonderful artisans. How do you work with them and how do you think their craft can be preserved even better? Is it going to be there in the future or are you the last person? Can we cherish them for the future? I definitely think we can and should cherish them for the future. That was one of my main goals. You know, at the beginning, I started by selling vintage and I was showing it all on the creative women of Milan. And then my business plan got a little sticky because as you know, with vintage, you just have one piece one size. It's probably not going to fit the woman. It's probably got a moth hole and a stain on it too. So it, you know, in order to kind of make a business out of vintage of real vintage, 20 years or older, it was pretty tricky. So that's when I had the idea to go in and make one new dress using vintage prints and the fabrics were new and Tarot printed new fabrics, but all of the prints came from their archive. And what I started realizing is that, you know, Mantero was kind of the blueprint for all of these collaborations that we do with many historic Italian manufacturers. I mean, number one, we're a hundred percent made in Italy and 80% of our suppliers are historic companies. So it kind of became my badge of honor and my, my guiding light to go find the oldest ones and see how we could work together. Because I realized that like my Americanness of like, let's do it, let's make it happen. Let me see what you've got, see how I can rearrange it. Plus their know-how, their experience, their tradition, their craft was like an electric combination. You know, at the very beginning, I'll give you an example. Mantero has been in business 120 years. As you said, it's fourth generation. Double J was the very first brand that ever put Mantero's label inside our own clothing. So like when we launched the Double J dresses, we said in collaboration with Mantero and we had a hang tag explaining where the print came from and giving promotion to Mantero. They'd never had any kind of exposure to the final customer. So I think that this is just a simple way. We always talk about our suppliers. I've been talking, I've been gabbing on about Salviati, our glassware maker that's that's hand-blowing the glass in Murano for us, blabbing about ANCAP, who does all of our porcelain in 
in Verona, uh, Mashoni, who does our uh, table linens. We have so many wonderful, Gioldi, another historic company that's doing our, our placed prints. And, you know, I've had a lot of people in the fashion industry tell me, don't talk about your suppliers. People are going to steal them. And in fact, many big companies, ones that you know very well, have come in and started to use some of our suppliers as they grow their home lines. And yes, it's been a little bit challenging on my part, but no, I wouldn't change it any any other way. Like this is talking about these people, bringing more attention to them and also getting a big company to get more interested in them is amazing. So this is how I think that we have to do it. It's it's sort of like coach. I'm a, I'm a really good cheerleader. So I, you know, I'm American. I love to cheer. And, um, and it's been so fun to really talk about them, shine the light on them. And they're so invested and they're so creative. The Italians, they love a challenge. You know, they are a little bit, I would say, less fast or less organized maybe than some other countries. It's true, but not always. And they always want to improve. So I, I don't think that we can turn our back on what's happening in Italy at all. I think you're talking now very generously about a lot of people who have either helped you or who you've found and you've perhaps helped them. But there's an even deeper part, what I would call a sense of sisterhood. And maybe that's what you're thinking about when you're talking about Italy and the way that they think. Because one thing that's really become increasingly important to you is this sisterhood. The sense of yeah. community, the spiritual circles, the vibrations. Now you, you, you run workshops, meditations and live streams. And this came to you during the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, I was sitting in Milan, March 2020. I'd been recently divorced moved into a brand new apartment. It was empty. And we had three months of not being able to leave the house. As you remember, Italy was pretty hardcore on the restrictions. And I had an editor at the time on the website who said, JJ, you know, we can't create any content. Why don't you just get on and start talking about your spiritual practice? I mean, I feel like it might be useful for some people. And I, I had never even really considered it. So I got on Instagram and I started, instead of talking about dresses, I started talking about emotions. I started talking about sort of bigger picture things, how you can work with your energy body, what is a spiritual practice, how to get one. And you wouldn't have believed the response. I, I was shocked. I was shocked by how many people who I thought were just interested in getting dressed in the fashion, that same woman was deeply interested in expanding their consciousness. And I think what I mean by the sisterhood is this circle, a safe circle where people can share, but also share their own personal stories, but also share their success, share their uh the ways that they've opened doors or windows into themselves, that special teacher, that special technique, that special healer. So I've come across in the last 10 years of my life when, when my spiritual practice kind of took off, and this is also in the book, I had a, a terrible experience with infertility, IVF, all of this. And that really pushed me into this realm of trying to understand what else was available to me, how I could get myself through it in a new way. And it was this, this kind of crazy woo-woo spiritual practice in which I started understanding myself as so much more than my mind, than my body. And along the way, I met so many incredible people who were shepherding me, guiding me. And so it's just been my absolute pleasure to kind of 
help women connect the dots and find these people so that they can also unlock the, the same things for themselves. Because I guarantee you, had I not done all of that work, I never would have given birth to Double J. I just never would have. believe it when you told me that you were going back to school. Back to school, I said. And it turned out that the school's that little place in America called Harvard. And <laughs> what, why did you go there? Was it anything to do with your work? Absolutely. Uh, there was a student group there that had uh, partnered with a women's organization called Free Free. And they were really talking about, they wanted me to come talk to them about how clothing can be used as almost like a liberating force. And the ways in which we dress ourselves and the way we come forward into the world can open so many doors for us. And I think that a brand like Double J actually is very attuned to this because as you probably know, Susie, colors have frequency. They, they, they have a vibration. There's an energetic quality to them. And that's oftentimes why we're so drawn to them. So when you're wearing clothes that have a lot of color, a lot of pattern, you yourself are able to kind of, if you're attuned to it, you can merge with that frequency of the color. Then the people who are looking at you are also responding to that. And everyone is raising their vibration, which is the mantra of my company uh, to begin with. So obviously there's so many different ways to quote unquote, raise your vibration. Getting dressed is obviously just a very minimal part of that, but I don't think it should be discounted. And I think that there are so many ways in which we adorn ourselves that aren't always brought to consciousness. I always say to the women who are always wearing black or navy or khaki, you know, what's it like when you do wear print and why don't you? And is it because you don't want to be seen? Is there a fear of being seen, of being too much? And, you know, that always starts kind of an interesting discourse with women. I want to know something. Why do I love purple so much? Ooh, okay. So purple has to do with the crown chakra, that's associated with the seventh chakra. It's up on your crown. So purple is, it's a very regal color. As you know, uh, you know, in the papal uh, history, it's always been regal. But we talk about this as regal almost in like a spiritual sense, meaning like your higher self merging with your physical self. So the queen you coming into fruition is the way you can look at this. So I think it's an incredible color and it has a real vibrancy, very high frequency. I think that's an incredible answer and I can't wait until the members of my family start asking, why are you always wearing purple? I'm going to give exactly. you your whole lineup. Exactly. Queen Susie. Every show you put on or presentation is exceptional, and I remember all of them. Tell everybody how you drew attention this year. You're right, Susie. I mean, we always try to do something different, and they're always joy-based <laughs> in their conception. You know, I think you were at the one that we had where we had the marching band and the dancers in the middle of the Galleria. And last year, I believe you came to the church where we had our uh, collection that was inspired by all of my trips to Egypt in which I was really channeling the ancient Egyptian mystery school, another spiritual practice. So we did that wonderful installation in the church. And then this year we were just thinking like, how can we bring some 
you know, our joy ride into Italy. And we're like, let's get a carousel. Let's get a kid's carousel. And I don't know if you remember seeing, but they, we had all these signs plastered, one of which said like, channel your, your inner five-year-old here today. And it really was everyone who came to this presentation. I mean, we had all the models who were the real women on the carousel itself as it was spinning. And then all the guests got on. It was such a party. It was so much fun. I haven't been on a carousel since I was a kid. And it was a thrill. So this is what I can really hope that I, that I can bring to Fashion Week. And I know how difficult it is for all the journalists. They've got so much to do. They're like, I just, you know, sometimes they don't even want to have fun. They just want to get the job done. But I can't stop doing it. I, I think in your book, you get this feeling that there are two sides to you. That there is the side that is very deep. And you, like so many other people, have a lot behind you, even though you're we might look at you and think that you're just somebody who's having a lot of fun. We learn a lot more about you. But if we see the other side of you, we're looking at a luxury shopping street, Via Sant'Andrea. And there you can find a shrine of pattern and colour. I'm talking, of course, about your shop. And from the um, clothes and homeware upstairs to the downstairs space, which you recently transformed into Sacred Grotto, a magical sanctuary. That's so interesting. And for my um, listeners, can you describe the walls and the staircase, the vivid hand-painted goddess murals? There's so much going on inside that store as well, of course, as your wonderful clothes. Yeah, there really is. And I got to tell you, I'm pretty sure that all of that weirdo stuff that we've got going on in the store is one of the reasons why we sailed through COVID. I mean, I opened that store in 2021 during COVID. And not only that, but we're, you know, across from Bottega next to Chanel, incredible positioning. And as you said, underground, we have this spiritual sanctuary. And basically, it is a shrine to the Divine Mother. And there are five iterations, depictions of the Divine Mother in five different manifestations. So one, you have Isis. And by that, I mean the ancient Egyptian goddess of reincarnation and resurrection. Uh, we've got Kali, we've got Kuan Yin, Mother Mary, Green Tara, and all of these were painted by this wonderful Romanian artist that I had found on Instagram during the lockdown. I started, I contacted her, I just really liked the feeling of what she was doing, and I start talking about these principles of the Divine Mother and the Sacred Feminine, and she had no idea what I was talking about. She was not connected to this, she didn't know about it. Um, and I start briefing her on what it meant and how I wanted to, you know, really focus in on these, these, these five depictions, not to mention a bunch of archangels and a, bu a bunch of symbols that all take you down into, you know, as I call it, it's this, it's this underworld. The feminine is the mystery. It is the feeling side of us. It is the being side of us. It is not the doing. It is not the logic. It is not the analyzing. It is not the building, the pushing, the aggression, the judging, none of that. So the feminine is so much softer. And once we start understanding as human beings that all of us possess this energy and that we need to have a healthy balance within ourselves of that softness together with that logic and that drive, then our creations can really start to sing. And that's actually what my book is about, Susie. That's why I call it Mama Milano, 
That's why I talk about Italy being my first spiritual teacher, because Italy has that kind of energy naturally. America is much more masculine based when we talk about energetics. So I find it really interesting and it's something that helped me a lot. So I like to share it with others. I can see that your downstairs, as I might put it, is very special to you. But is it understood by all the Italian women or perhaps men? Because they are so attached to God as they know it, and as most people in Europe know it. How does the other part fit in? Do you know it's so interesting you say that? For sure, it's a very Catholic country, and I had a few people when this first went up said like, you can't do this, you're gonna get arrested. And, and instead, I would say half the people who come in connect with it on sort of a deep level, and the other half just kind of like feel good and like don't, really care, but they love it like because it feels so cheerful and uplifting. And so they kind of connect to it more on maybe on a visual level because it's it's very light and bright. And, you know, we also have this bat installation as well as kind of this illuminated chandelier, which I really wanted to tap into spirit animals as well. And so there's always, it's like a point of conversation. And this is one thing, the Italians are very open-minded. So even if they believe a certain thing with their religion, their spiritual practice or not, when you talk about yours, it's very different than it is in America where if it if you don't agree with it, your your door is shut. Here, there's a lot more curiosity, I would say, and openness which I really, really appreciate. Well, what are you going to open now? You've got this book and we will open every page of it to see what you say. But have you got something else that you're thinking of doing and that will surprise everybody? Well, my dream is to open a retreat center in Sicily one day, but I think that that's like three to five years down the road. And in the meantime, we are looking at, you know, so we've opened the store in Milan. We also open one in Taormina. We have a three-year shop in Venice with the Fondaco del um, de Tedeschi, which is beautiful. I'd really like to open a store in New York. And so right now we're looking at various properties there just because I feel like the world of Double J really needs it's You need to be anchored down into it. And I, I really discounted this, Susie, when I first launched the business because it really did launch as a direct-to-consumer. And I was like, oh, we'll just do this online. But humans need that embodiment. We, we really need to like ground it down. And so um, I think we've got to get going there. And I'm just working on building my team. I have an incredible group of, of human beings around me in Italy. And as the business grows, I've got to grow this team. And I would say for most young businesses out there, I mean, we're not young anymore. I, I'm eight years out. But like in terms of the actual business, it's only been seven years that I've had this, this ready-to-wear and homeware. The hardest part is really managing the humans. You know, it's really, you want to do the right thing. It's so challenging as you grow, your needs grow, communicating all of this. So I'm just trying to be really gentle on myself and, and everyone um, who comes through our doors. Well, I have an idea for you. Maybe you thought of it already. A cafe serving up La Double J espresso, but not doing it in Italy where you can get it, but doing it in other countries, starting preferably in England where they don't know what a good coffee is. And then you can make them all over the world and everyone will trust you because you know what to do. Everyone will be cheerful because you'll do it in a wonderful way and colourful and happy. What do you think of my idea? I think it's great. I mean, I definitely think that our 
way forward is not just through the clothes and the homeware. Our way forward needs to be through experiences. So if that is a, I, I really do think it's to create environments that people feel or experiences that people feel really good about. So why not? And you know, it will be a great place for people to sit around and read your book. Yes. Honestly, Susie, I am so grateful to you. I tell everyone that you were my savior. Like, I don't even know why you were reading the, the, the Fashion Wearer Daily. I think it was because we published before you and you wanted to see if we got any scoops from the front row or whatever it was. I'm just so grateful. I really am. You, you plucked me out of obscurity those 21 years ago. And it's, it's just unbelievable. Well, I'm so happy for you and I'm happy for Italy. And I want to be happy for many other countries seeing that you spread to them. Lots of love. Oh. You're such fun to be with. And um, good luck with everything. You too, Susie. You're an icon. Everyone loves you. And we, as the fashion community, are so grateful to you. So thank you. Well, what a compliment. I don't think everybody loves me because after doing the reviews... Some people don't love you very much. I know, but they might not love you, but they respect you and they want to learn from you, I think. We, we bring our babies into the world. We want them to be received, right? And so when they're not, you know, it, it's tough. But at the same time, I think there's always a way to deliver criticism that is helpful. And you've always done that. The only problem is I can't think of anything to criticize you with at all. I can only think of praise. So that is what I'll have to write about you. And talk about you in this talk. <laughs> but don't you think it's easier because I'm not on a runway, Susie? It's easier. I don't know. I just think that um, it's easy to love your what you do because it's colourful, it's interesting, it's thoughtful. And um, keep on running. Thank you. And you too. Ciao, Bella. Thank you so much, JJ. I think I may just have raised my vibration talking to you. Wish you all the best with your new book, Mamma Milano, which drops on 17th of October and is printed by Vendome. I can't wait to see you soon and see your next collection at Fashion Week. Creative Conversations with Susie Menkes is produced by Natasha Cowan, music by Jörg Zuber, graphics by Paul Wallace, and edited by Tim Thornton. To find my articles, visit susiemenkes.com and susiemenkes on Instagram. If you've enjoyed the podcast, then please do rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can find me on all the usual channels. Music.